0: Welcome to the Friday edition of Passion, the night that uh, we take a look at some sex in the news, some of the latest research and some interesting tidbits, things you might want to share at any get-together on the weekend. Uh, Well, some of the stories I'm looking at are uh, millennials changing marriage, some interesting new statistics about that. We'll talk about why coconut oil uh, may or may not be bad for your vagina. You're going to want to know that. And can you actually die from a broken heart? Plus, uh, what about heart attacks and sex? What's the link there? You might be surprised. And remember Barney, the big purple dinosaur? I know that Barney was really big in my household when the kids were little. Well, he's into some pretty funky stuff. Sex. Sex. Stuff, but don't worry, it has nothing to do with the kids. Uh, But before we get to that, uh, first.
1: Let's take a look at the
0: inbox. Make a connection anytime at 514-800. And you can also send me your emails anytime during the week to laurie at com. If you have any questions throughout the evening tonight, please send them in. I'm happy to answer them uh, at any point in the evening tonight. I'm a 20-year-old man, this person writes me, and I have concerns regarding getting erect. I feel as if I never get fully erect. When erect, my penis does not fully expand outwards. In brackets, he writes, limp dick is a term I've heard used. Perhaps it is my diet. I eat quite unhealthy. Or maybe the fact that I'm uncircumcised has something to do with it. I'm not sure. So I don't think that this has anything to do with being unhealthy, although healthy living helps every aspect of of your life, or so you should always maintain a healthy diet if you can. Um, At 20, though, difficulties with erections is generally not so attributable to a physical cause. But I have very limited information here. So whenever something physical is happening to you, whatever the even if the source is psychological, it should be something that you mention to your family doctor, uh just uh, you need to be able to eliminate any uh, potential physical causes. I'm thinking in terms of physical what it might be it could be that the foreskin isn't retracting fully, which might be hindering a full erection. Um, but if you have the if this is something that persists, you should always have it checked out. Get a full uh, physical, get a full assessment of the situation. Please don't be afraid. Just because it's a genital question or a sex question. Don't be afraid to talk to your family doctor about it. And the, at the very least, they'll ha- give you an examination and send you to a specialist if they're not uh, prepared to assess or evaluate what the problem is. But it's a, it's still a physical, even there's a physical manifestation, even if it's something psychological. So you want to rule out anything that's, uh, that's physical. Interesting question here. We've uh, I think we've answered this one before. Is it safe to drink your lover's hot pee? So urine. So what's urine? Urine is made up mostly of water. Ninety five percent is is water, uh, but five percent of it contains waste products. So. I'm sure you've heard that uh, urine is is sterile, but that's only in the short term um, because drinking urine can also introduce all kinds of toxins uh, into your body. And how do you know if your partner has uh, bacteria or something growing in there? So the recommendation is no, do not drink your partner's urine. You would still be introducing bad stuff, potentially bad stuff into, uh, your system. Uh, this was a, an email. Remember you can send me your emails to Lori at D R L A U R I E D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E.com. About six years ago, uh, I was diagnosed with temporal lobe epilepsy and parietal lobe epilepsy. And it seems like since then and all the meds they had me on, which I now haven't been on in, Uh, probably a year, I can't seem to keep a hard-on. About half the time I get one, it stays hard for about five minutes and won't stay hard or it just won't get hard. There's been many times that I've woken up and it's been rock hard and will stay that way, but then I try to have sex and about five minutes later it starts going soft. This is really affecting my sex life and my relationship. I've tried different things to stay hard from Viagra, which my doctor told me to try and it didn't affect me. I've tried things over the counter. I'm really at a loss because the drive and wanting to do it, I have it like crazy, but it's like he's got a mind of his own. He will not work when he wants to and anymore. It seems like that's not, that's not that often. I really need some help with this. Before I was diagnosed with my epilepsy disorders, I could have sex all day and night. Please help me. Uh, So there is a link between epilepsy and uh, developing erectile dysfunction. So there's definitely a higher chance of developing uh, erectile dysfunction in epileptic men compared to the general uh, population. Uh, And interestingly, if you look at the research, which I I did look up the research since this was an email, I had a bit of time, uh, studies have suggested that epilepsy affects all areas of sexuality, except for the desire so the fact that um, you know you're assessing your assessment of your penis as having a mind of its own but yet having lots of desire that would seem to be expected that's not unusual for someone who's been diagnosed with uh, with epilepsy and from the studies that I read that have been done on the use of anti-epileptic drugs for example, Uh, the conclusion that is drawn is that these drugs contribute to sexual dysfunction in epileptic patients who do chronically receive these medications. So, um, since you say you can get an erection, but just not, not keep, maintain the erection, maybe what you could do is this, you can try, uh, using a penis pump, so you get, you can get one online, you can get one in a, a sex shop. So a penis pump basically is a cylinder. You put your penis in it and there's a pumping action. It draws out the maximum blood into the penis. Then you use what's called a penis ring or a constricting ring at the base of the penis, which traps the blood and this will help you maintain The erection shouldn't leave on for more than 20 minutes, but at least this is a way to get the blood in there and to trap the blood. We know you can get the erection. It's a question of getting it when you want it, which you'd have to maybe do it mechanically and then uh, trap the blood there. It's a it's a great alternative for anybody who's experiencing um, erectile issues like, uh, just tr- not getting a full erection. This is a good way, non-surgical, non-medication route, uh, to be able to get, uh, a full erection. But there's that, uh, the second process, which is to trap the blood because it's a two, there's a, 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 two, um, two things going on with an erection, right? There's the blood flow and then the valves have to close to maintain the erections. if the valves open, you lose the erection. So this way it closes in and uh, and constrict, uh, constrict, constricts it. Uh, coming up, we'll talk about uh, hearts. Uh, does more sex lead to more chance of dying of a heart attack? And can you actually die of a broken heart? We'll check that. to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. A couple of stories to share with you about heart health and sex. And then just to remind you, get ready for this. After 10.30, we play Dirty Minds. And we're going to test out Brian uh, as the voice of Dirty Minds. Let's see how sexy he can make it. I will give you three clues. You have to guess, and the winner gets a one-month unlimited pass to 360 Punch, a brand new uh, fitness uh, place that opened up in the West Island. And by the way, you can join me for a free class tomorrow. Come work out with me. Uh, morning class at 9:15. I'm going to call it the Passion Punch Class. It's a full-body workout. You'll learn how to throw a good punch at the same time, and uh, we can spar together. Why not? Uh, so that's happening. Uh, tomorrow morning and i'm i 'm pretty much there every morning, but saturday nine fifteen come join a free class and uh, and we'll have some fun together All right, that helps with uh, heart health, of course uh, exercise, but sex also does There was a longitudinal study done of uh, over a thousand men between the ages of forty and seventy, so longitudinal means they looked at them over a long period. Um, of time, and they tracked their health and their sexual frequency for uh, more than 16 years. Here's what they found. Men who had sex more often had a lower risk of developing cardiovascular disease later on. Uh, Those specifically those who had sex once uh, per month or less were 45% more likely to develop cardiovascular problems than those who had sex two to three times per week or more. They controlled for everything, for age, for erectile function, for general cardiovascular risk. In other words, people who were smoking or had high cholesterol. So there was something unique about sexual activity when it came to heart health. So how does one explain this? So there's a couple of potential explanations here, not just simply that sex itself is good for the heart, although it is, it's just that it could also be that people who are in better health to begin with are more interested in sex and are more capable of having uh, sex so they are actually doing it more often. But they concluded that that's just not enough to explain this phenomenon. Uh, sex is a form of exercise, so you' and those who have it more often are getting more exercise. It it is, it can, it's, it's a form of exercise. Uh, and also sex has other qualities. It has a sex reducing, uh, properties. We already know this, that, um, when couples who, uh, couples who have sex on a regular basis, for example, feel less stressed the next day, uh, they have a, a, a better mood, it boosts their mood states. All of these can contribute as well to heart health. Uh, so there's some good reasons to, uh to be having sex, right? And here, this is the other side of it that I want to talk about is dying of a broken heart. You can actually die of a broken heart. And I read this very interesting article. I'm going to share some of it with you. Uh, The typical signs of heart attack were there. The sudden onset of chest pain, an abnormal ECG, and a blood test result that was consistent with heart muscle damage but the patient didn't fit the typical picture of someone at risk for a heart attack. There was one thing that was unusual. Her symptoms started soon after she heard about the tragic death of a loved one. Uh, this, this is written by a cardiologist who says uh, that, uh, started looking into this and speaking to other cardiologists who were also reporting this. The, um, There were patients in Japan in the nineties that were described, uh, with this syndrome. They called this syndrome Takotsubo, which is the Japanese word for octopus pot, because the heart looked like an octopus pot during, uh, that episode, except in America, we call it broken heart syndrome. It apparently is is well recognized, but the cause is not uh, fully understood. Uh, what he says is, we do know that increased adrenaline and the sympathetic nervous system surge that occurs with stress plays an important role. We also see evidence that the central nervous system and endocrinology system are involved. But why broken heart syndrome occurs in some people and at some times and not others, we don't know. We don't know. What kinds of stress leads to broken heart syndrome. It can be this is where it gets a little tricky because you'll hear this list and man it could we could all be at risk, right? Um medical procedures, illness, public speaking. So some people have actually had a heart attack from public speaking, a surprise birthday party. Keep that in mind please when you throw a surprise birthday party. Cocaine use, um a dobutamine stress test, I'm not sure what that is. A lightning strike, okay, that sounds pretty extreme. Uh, an argument can lead to this. And bad news and gambling losses. All of this stuff has been uh, reported in the literature. So here's what they know. Here are some of the, even though it's a mystery, this whole broken heart uh, syndrome. They know a bit of stuff. They know they have some facts about this. About 90% of people with broken heart syndrome are women, women. Uh, And most commonly, these are women who are postmenopausal. However, the reported ages range from 10 to over 90. So it can happen at any age. Uh, Recovery of heart function is necessary to make the diagnosis. So most of these people, yes, they have a broken heart, meaning they have the heart attack, they survive those. Um, For those that have had it once, the risk of having it again is about uh, 10%. Of course, broken heart syndrome can be uh, lethal. And if the person survives that first time, um, the long-term prognosis is basically the same as if they never uh, they never had it. So it's scary. It's, you know what's scary is when we don't know why. We don't know why some people, yes, and other people, no. But we know that it does exist. How many of you remember uh, or have watched Barney the Dinosaur? Did you watch that with your kids? That purple dinosaur was in my home every day. Uh, Well, this is an interesting story. The guy who played Barney, the dinosaur, who lived in that costume basically, guess what he's doing today? He runs a tantric sex business. I kid you not. This is what he's doing. He, uh, gives, uh, he's a tantra massage, uh, specialist, basically calls himself, uh, a spiritual healer. Uh, he sees uh, female clients. He only sees female clients. He gives for about 350 bucks. He gives them a ritual bath, a chakra balancing and a massage plus, There's a happy ending. He gives apparently cosmic orgasms. Um, Yeah, that's what Barney's doing. That beloved purple dinosaur. (laughs) He held that job, by the way, from 1991 to uh, 2001. And now he is in the business of sex. Who knew? Who knew? I knew there was something kinky about that dinosaur, didn't you? And speaking of kink, the most popular kink among millennials, what do you think it is? You think it's bondage? You think it's some kind of fetish? Oh no, so much blander than that. The most popular kink, according to this report, among millennials is role playing. Not like kinky, what we would consider, you know, out there role playing. No. Role-playing as a couple that owns a house. Go figure. A published study out of Simon Fraser University on generational sexuality found that this is the most popular kink among millennials. I don't quite get it, but apparently sexually active millennials are getting off to the idea of whispering sweet, affordable mortgage rates into their partner's ear as they climb into bed while fantasies of unfinished home improvement projects and an unkempt garden continue to fuel their lust. Okay, then, which is very, uh, very interesting. Second place, though, among uh, millennials, second place after homeowner role plays, is a trend of light... Light millennial BDSM is what, uh, they're calling it in which someone blindfolds and ties their partner down to the bed and then leaves them there to sleep peacefully without interruption for a full eight hours without being able to look at their phone. Uh, oh, I find that hysterical. Uh, let's see a question quickly here. That's come through on the text board at five one four eight hundred. What happens when one seems blocked from falling in love again? I'm trying to be open to falling in love, but with a few breakups in the past that were heartbreaking, don't know the solution. I wish I, there was an easy answer for you, but there is a way like it's about being love ready, falling in love. You have, there has to be a readiness and to be ready. You also have to get kind of let go and get rid of all these past, um, the, these past hurts and the, it's sometimes, uh, quite, uh, traumatic. So talking it out with somebody might be a good idea. Getting a better understanding, um, of yourself in terms of looking at why the breakups happened, what was your role in it, who you're attracted to, how you do this, um, all of this, could be kind of dissected with a therapist to help you and, uh, to help you move forward, which would uh, not be a bad idea. So good for you for thinking about this. Uh, coming up, speaking of millennials, they are changing marriage. I'll tell you how. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Are we ready to play Dirty Minds? Brian, are you ready with I'm the ready. clues? Yeah, ready? I've been,
1: I've been, I've been waiting ever since. We I know you really wanted to do this. this. I, yeah. I know
0: we're testing you out, though. I'm not giving you the well, job I forever. Big, okay? I have
1: big shoes to fill. I mean, I'm coming from what <laughs> from Kai. Pi. Yeah, yeah I and know. he had that sweet butter love <laughs> voice. So I don't know how I'm gonna do this one.
0: We'll figure it out. Uh, for our listeners, if you've never heard this, you're gonna get three dirty clues. Of course. If you keep your mind out of the gutter, you'll get it easily. Uh, I always find them difficult. That tells you something a little bit about my mind. Um, but for the, the person who gets it, you have to call in 514-790-0800. First caller through with the right answer will win a one-month unlimited pass to 360 punch it's a new uh boutique gym basically in the west island and if you're interested tomorrow i will be there at 9:15 a.m you can join me for a free class i'm calling it the passion punch class how's that uh you know for a catchy. Uh and then we can have a, a workout together this tomorrow at nine fifteen. All right, you ready?
1: I'm ready. Are you All ready? Right. Is I, everyone ready? I'm ready.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> All right, go. let's go here. In the your three sexiest clues. voice. Oh, oh now you put pressure, Lori. <laughs> okay. You're not done with me until you're sorry, you're not done with me until you're chewing on my bone. You could be eating chuck. You would enjoy a piece of my butt.
0: That was your sexiest well, voice, Brian. Well, I'm, a
1: radio. I'm on radio <laughs> mode right now, right? You're okay. funny. But I could go again. We could do it again. Here we All go. Right. Uh, Let's
0: do it one more time.
1: You're not alone with me until you're chewing on my bone. You could be eating Chuck. You would enjoy a piece of my butt.
0: What am I? All right. Uh, let the phones ring. Let the guessing begin. 514-790-0800. Uh, all right, Brian, you'll let us know when somebody gets yes, the, uh, I will. the answer. All right. Uh, he, Gray just texted in. Uh, so funny. He cracks me up every time, Gray, uh, about the Barney story. You know, Barney into tantric sex says, makes sense. He was a giant purple dinosaur who hung out with two other dinosaurs called BJ and Baby Bop. Does he sing the I love you song while aligning your chakra? I love you. You love me. You're getting a handjob from Barney. <laughs> Gray, you always managed to crack me up. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was a funny story. Really funny. Kind of see him in a whole different light now. All right. Millennials. They are changing marriage. They seem to be more strategic when it comes to love. And of course, this is changing um, marriage statistics all around. Uh, millennials, uh, tend to fear getting divorced. They are more financially burdened. And so this leads them to marrying later in life. They get to know, uh, they want to get to know their partners longer. They want to accumulate more assets and they want to become more financially successful before they tie the knot. And of course, there are some millennials who aren't getting married at all and in fact uh the marriage rate is uh declining so marriage is, is getting uh i guess this generational uh, facelift uh what do you think about this are you a millennial how do you feel about marriage of course there's a lot of the um you know many millennials did grow up in an age where their parents were getting divorced and so there were a lot of fears around that they didn't they want to be more sure so they get married a little bit uh later Uh, i mean the the age now is uh is much later than it once was so the median age of first marriage in the u.s is uh, now 27 for women and 29 for men. And this is according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Now, if you think back just a couple of generations ago, at 25, you were con- as a woman, you were considered an old maid. Now that's just the average. So there are plenty of people who are even getting married uh, later and having kids later as well. Uh, And the other thing too is more couples are living together before marriage. This has increased sixfold from their parents' generation. Uh, This is their pathway to marriage now. So uh, usually they they live together, then they get married. So it's not that they're, I mean, yes, many are not getting married, but they're delaying marriage. They're often buying homes together even before getting engaged. So they're prioritizing home ownership uh, over marriage, which of course reflects a whole generational shift in attitudes toward marriage. And think about the economic, uh, factor to this because housing prices are high because uh, renting is high they are uh, choosing to live together for uh, oftentimes for financial reasons an estimated 25 percent of millennials are also unlikely to ever ever get married uh, so the marriage rate decreased to half of us adults in 2017 from 72 percent in 1960. So it's less than 50%, 72% in um, 1960. They also found that uh, declining marriage rates were affected by traditional gender roles and economic forces, making men, get this, less appealing uh, partners, uh, less attractive as husbands for uh, some reason, and many of which is because women are also in the workforce in those same um positions the other thing too is that millennials are more millennials are signing prenups so more and more prenup, uh, prenuptial agreements are uh, are becoming just more popular among millennials so it's not something that uh, somebody's going to like uh, balk at it's it's actually uh, becoming something that is uh, popular 62% of the lawyers who were polled said they'd seen a rise in prenups overall from 2013 to, to 2016. Another interesting thing: many millennials are having multiple wedding ceremonies. In other words, because uh, this is the explanation, though, because many there are many inter uh, intermarriage and intercultural um, marriages or unions, people are having multiple wedding ceremonies to fit each kind of each one. So that's a little uh, expensive. Uh, and then millennials are also having weddings that are more non-traditional. So less, less getting married at the church, uh, less getting married at some hall. And now um, more and more millennials are choosing unconventional venues like barns and farms and backyards and things like that. Interesting. The face of marriage uh, is uh, is changing. Brian, do we have a winner? Yes, we
1: do have a winner. And, all right. And normally we do get a lot of funny answers, but we're right on with this one. This yeah, week. I made yeah. it
0: easy for yeah. you. Yeah, this one Just, was
1: easy. Yeah, so
0: so read the clues and give the answer, please.
1: Okay, give me one second and bring up the clues, and I got them. Okay, so the clues for tonight were, You're not done with me until you're chewing all my bone. You could be eating Chuck. You would enjoy a piece of my butt.
0: And I am. I am a steak. I am a steak. Great. Who's our winner? Our winner is Susan. Susan, congratulations. Yay. See, that wasn't such a hard one. Well, you did a good job, thank Brian. You. She did
1: like my voice, by the way, too. She did? A lot of the okay. people that call says, Brian, you're doing a good job. Okay, good, and, good. You know, so we'll keep you. Thank you. We'll keep thank you. you. <laughs> All
0: right. Wonderful. Uh, coming up, women with no spouse and children... Are uh, seem to be the happiest. Plus, is coconut oil bad for your vagina? We'll check on that. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD eight hundred couple more stories to share with you tonight and anything else you want to talk about. I welcome uh, your comments, uh, your two cents. <laughs> uh, Brian says, Lori, yep, Brian is the one. May I play devil's advocate? Speak slower. Okay, do I have to speak slower? You're asking me to speak slower? I think
1: I have or to you think... sh-
0: you should speak slower. I don't know. Because I can talk fast. I know I can talk fast. Me (laughs) too. Right. I like to get as much information as possible. It's like when I'm giving a talk, I can cram in so much information. I know that's not good. I do talk. Maybe I'll slow down too. How about we both Both slow slow down? down?
1: (laughs) By the way, that wasn't me that texted in either. I wouldn't. No, I know. Okay, cool. (laughs) It's
0: another one of our regular listeners, Brian. (laughs) All right. I want to share some things with you. First of all, here's a headline. Women with no spouse and children are the happiest. Of course, there are many ways to live a, a happy life. Not all of them include having children and being uh, and being married. And science apparently uh, can back this one up. So, you don't have to have a partner and children uh, to be happy. Actually, people who don't have a partner and children seem to be happier than the rest of the population. This is a study out of the London School of Economics. Uh, Paul Dolan is his name. He's the author of Happiness by Design, and he uh, recently spoke about this. He said uh, in his speech that traditional standards for success don't actually correlate with happiness, and it's especially the case when it comes to tying the knot and uh raising kids he told uh, a newspaper the guardian that married people are happier than other population subgroups but they only answered that when their spouse was in the room and they were asked how happy they are when the spouse is not present they said that they are miserable i don't know how much of this i'm buying but anyway um He added that the negative effects of marriage are compounded for women. This I've seen in other studies. Marriage often leads to taking fewer risks and making more money at work for men, but women are at a higher risk of developing physical conditions and mental illnesses when married. Uh, And they also tend to lose their lives sooner than their single counterparts, he adds. He also noted that the social stigma of singledom at middle age might make some women feel pressured or unhappy at times, but the reality is that there are plenty of benefits to an unmarried and childless, childless lifestyle. And sure, you speak to people who are uh, single and uh, on their own and to do what they want with their money, their lives, uh, their the freedom that they have, and they, they will certainly... Um, describe this in, in terms of the lifestyle uh, that they, they lead. So it's no longer about, the message is no longer like, you want to be happy? Find yourself a husband. Like that used to be, right? It's like, what? You're not married? And th- there were names for especially women who were uh, unmarried and they weren't pleasant either. So you may want to know, is coconut oil good or bad for your uh, vagina? If you've got a vagina or you love a vagina, you want to hear, you want to hear this because coconut oil has been talked about all over the place. It's good for a million things, including eye makeup remover, skin moisturizing, great for cooking, uh, and it can also be used as a vaginal Lubricant, but I want to give you one of my colleagues uh, Carlin Costa uh, on Facebook decided to kind of pick apart the science and look at the actual science behind uh, the use of coconut oil. So sh- a few questions were answered. Can coconut oil mess with your pH in, um, in your uh, vagina, right? All those, uh, the pH levels. So apparently no, because coconut oil has a pH of neutral. So No pH. However, some of the processing methods can increase the natural acidity, which some vaginas may be sensitive to, but not all. Another question people ask, is coconut oil antibacterial? The answer is uh, no. Uh, Antibacterials are not, but they are harmless to a broad variety of bacteria for the most part, especially high quality coconut oil. if you're going to put any of the coconut oil in your body, make sure you're putting high quality stuff. Is coconut oil antifungal? Apparently for some people, yes. The difference is treating, uh, uh, bacterial vaginosis, which is about bacteria and coconut oil, uh, with that won't help, but maybe treating a yeast infection that is antifungal, that actually may help. Um, Will it mess with your flora? Well, that's been untested. Uh, And of course, you know, the bottom line with all of this, by the way, is that what I'm reading into this is that sometimes yes, sometimes no. It works for some women. Some women find it irritating. Other women, no. That's because we're all different. We all have different sensitivities, etc. So make sure that, um, that first of all, you store it properly, uh, that there's no cross contamination. Like don't take your coconut oil that you've used in the kitchen and, and take it up to the bedroom. Always have one with another one, because if you're mixing that there is the potential of, uh, bacteria, like uh, your, you know, your private parts of bacteria getting into your Mouth bacteria, like that just doesn't work. Like it's just, that's ick, right? You're not going to use the same uh, coconut oil. So get a a whole other jar, please. Um, And you can, um, you can use it as lube as long as you don't use a condom with it. That's if you're in a long-term relationship, don't need a condom, don't need uh, to worry about STIs, don't need to worry about uh, birth control in that case, because you can't use latex condoms with an oil any kind of uh, oil or even with uh, sex toys. Be very careful with coconut oil and sex toys. That also doesn't work. So there you go. Everything you want to know about coconut oil and your genitals. Yummy, huh? Uh, still good to cook with. But All right, one last story I want to share with you. One last study. This is the headline. Women are less likely to care about condoms with attractive men. So they're more likely to not use a condom if they are with an attractive guy. That's according to a uh, study from two British universities uh, and the University of Guelph in Ontario, uh, which I thought was interesting. They also found a man's perceived likelihood of having a sexually transmitted infection did not affect a woman's willingness to have sex with him Or how attractive she thought he was. They also confirmed what most people likely thought. The more attractive a guy was, the more likely a woman would want to have uh, sex with him. That's great. But what about using condoms? People have to remember that. Attraction has nothing to do with that. How attractive somebody is says nothing about their STI status. Please keep that in mind, folks. Uh, that's it for me. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with me. Always appreciated. Uh, thank you very much to our technical producer, Brian Calasar, our passion researcher, uh, Linda DeLisi. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, uh, drlori.com. Coming up here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening, a fabulous weekend, and remember to live your life with passion.